Hi there. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Some Other Sphere. If you enjoy it, please leave a rating on your preferred podcast platform or like and share it on social media, as it all really helps to promote the show. If you'd like to support the upkeep of the podcast as well, you can donate via Ko-fi. Go to ko-fi.com forward slash some other sphere podcast to find out more. You can also follow the podcast on Twitter at spherical underscore pod. Thank you again. And now on to the episode. Hello and welcome to Some Other Sphere, a podcast exploring our strange world, one conversation at a time, hosted by Rick Palmer. My guest for this episode is Emma Woods, author of Glimpses of Magonia, a memoir of the disconcerting yet transformative anomalous events that she has experienced all through her life. The book provides a unique insight into what motivates people like her to seek answers in areas of paranormal research to help better understand the meaning of those experiences. In the interview, I start by talking with Emma about the title of the book and what that means to her. From there, we talk more about the experiences themselves, the way that Emma recollected them, and how she learned to understand what they might mean. Some of these happened at very difficult times in Emma's life, and as I'm sure you can imagine, It was a privilege to talk with her about such personal matters. We end the interview by talking about some mysterious files sent to Emma by a ufologist friend, which seemed to indicate the existence of a very unusual project at NASA, and whether these documents were genuine or another example of disinformation being spread amongst the ufology community. Enjoy! Emma, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. It's good to be on. Thank you for having me. The title of your book is Glimpses of Magonia. What made you choose that title? Um, It was because a lot of my memories of my anomalous experiences are fragmentary. um, And I feel that they are just glimpses of um, something that we don't understand. um, But I don't have... I don't have a lot more than just a, a whole lot of fragmentary memory. So I feel that it's glimpses. Um, and the Magonia was a um, medieval, um, people in medieval times, I think in France possibly, um, believed that there was a, a cloud realm called Magonia and that um, people came from that realm in ships. And I, I know that that word has been used within the UFO field because of that. And I just decided to use that name because we don't know what what the um the experiences really mean or anything like that so it's just sort of a placeholder name glimpses of something but we don't really know what it is so that's that's why I chose that title Uh, okay yeah I mean I think you're right when I saw Magonia I mean I thought of um Jack Belay's book Passport to Magonia and I mean, in his work, he he very, he very much sort of talks about how the experiences that people have can, although their appearance changes through time and history, uh, there's a sort of a core correlation between a lot of what happens to to those people. 
you talk in your book about sort of starting to chronologically record your experiences in your 30s how far back do you do you remember these things happening to you and have these memories always been with you or have they come back to you at any point um I can remember very early uh, I can remember back to being a toddler um, and that's just sort of some of my ordinary memories I, I, I can date so I know that I can remember back to the age of one um, and my my experiences go back to sort of toddler age um, so I have had them right through my life um, I remember more as an adult I'm, I remember less the very toddler, very young preschooler, I don't remember as many. Um, but then my memory, obviously, I suppose, as I, you know, my brain matured and so on, I just remember more. But um, yeah, it's just something that um, I've had all through my life. But they're, they're sort of fragmented memories. Um, as most of them I've remembered. Yeah, they're just the memory will just come to me, or sometimes it's a memory I've had all my whole life, um, or sometimes I'll just suddenly remember something, or I'll just be thinking about something that happened um, normally, and then just suddenly realise, but but hang on, that doesn't make sense, um, and then I'll sort of realise, oh okay, this this actually doesn't make sense. Where was that? Um, how did I get there? What was going on? So sometimes I just sort of, um, it's just something there and I just accept it and it, it the penny drops that, oh, that's actually um, probably an anomalous experience rather than just normal life. So, yeah, it's it's something that's been with me my whole life. Okay. So what would you say is the, is the earliest experience that you remember happening to you um probably when i was a toddler um i can remember standing um and there were these um black spherical kind of objects floating in front of me um and i didn't know what they were and then later i just sort of thought of them as beetles but then i kind of realized that they they weren't beetle beetles they were sort of spherical oval sort of objects that were floating in front of me so that's one um and also as a very young child I had a vision I was walking down a street um with my mother and my sister in a in a pram and I had this strange kind of vision I felt these waves of energy coming towards me um, and then I, I had a vision of a man on the ground um, who was suffering and I really felt his suffering. It had a very strong effect on me um, and I, I don't know what that was. Um, I mean, sometimes I've even wondered, you know, if they are past lives, was that a memory of a past life or I don't know what that was, but it was quite a powerful vision and it's it has always stayed with me I, I've always remembered that so those are two kind of very early experiences that I had when I was a toddler hmm and so um as you got older did you think back to those memories and how did you try to understand 
what they might mean. Uh, was there something about them that that made them feel as though they definitely happened? Because I I know from personal experience, sometimes you can look back at things that you remember happening quite a while ago, and 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 you can't be quite sure that you're it's sort of an an accurate recollection because you know memory doesn't always work that way. So was there something about them that made you feel like they were an accurate recollection of of what happened yeah um well I actually didn't think a lot about it which is strange but I actually didn't think about them much didn't process them much um and I actually spent a lot of my life until my 30s just suppressing them um by the time I was in my in my mid to late teens I kind of realized that there, there were some things happening that were really unusual but I I strangely didn't connect them all together I had no knowledge of the UFO phenomenon so I never thought that they might have anything to do with that Um, and I didn't know what they were Um, and I did find it disturbing um, but I just suppressed it and that's how I dealt with it so I didn't really think a lot about it I was more trying to just live as a normal person in our culture with our cultural you know beliefs and constructs about what the world is and what reality is and I was very much trying to be live that because that's what I was brought up on Um, and it was only really in my 30s and I read a magazine article about um, signs that you've been abducted by aliens and they had a little list and in there I suddenly realized oh my god this is I recognize my god you know this is some of the things that I have um, and then I still couldn't really I didn't want to go there so I just I knew it had some importance for me and I actually tore the page out of the magazine and I kept it in my diary and I just look at it now and then and I had I kept it there for like a couple of years um and then it was sort of percolating in the background but I I was resisting it and really wasn't wanting to to go there or think about it um and then I reached a kind of a crisis point where I realized that I was actually going to have to address it um and that's um I was seeing a therapist at that time um and he suggested that I, I, that I start to write down a history of my experiences and then also to start recording them as they happened. Um, and that's when I really started to understand how, how it had been right through my life and there was this constant recurring um events happening and it was really only then that I really realized the extent of it and and what was going on whereas before that I had pretty much tried to suppress it and not think about it okay um so in doing that in in sort of looking back at these experiences did any commonalities come out of that like things that most sort of share similarities with um with what might be understood to be the abduction experience yeah i think first the 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 overarching commonality is the fragmentary memories that there's obviously some kind of memory 
um, it's interfering with memory in some way because I just have a whole lot of fragmentary memories. Um, so that to me says there's something about it that is affecting memory. Um, and I actually did in uh, did a one-year study um, where I uh, carried around a piece of paper and a pen with me at all times, and I recorded all my experiences for a whole year. Um, and that I was amazed by how frequently they were happening, but also that I would forget them almost immediately, and I only knew about them because I'd written them down. And if I hadn't written them down, it would be as though none of that had happened. Um, and that made me also really aware that there is a real memory blocking um, sort of amnesia aspect to the experiences. So that's one thing that I think is a, is a very noticeable commonality to me. Um, and then in terms of the actual experiences, um, I've had quite a few experiences with short humanoid beings. Um, so that's something that has happened and I've had a few experiences with a woman um, wearing a long white dress or long white gown um, and I've also had a few premonitions um, yeah so there are some commonalities there um, but then there's also um, things like just unexplained sounds and um, yeah so missing time, um, periods of time, the time just goes really, really fast. And then I can't remember what happened. Um, so yeah, there are some commonalities there. Yeah. Hmm. Uh, early on in the book, you mentioned a being called Deras. So was, was that being, was that what you would describe as the sort of archetypal short gray alien being? Yeah, um, a short humanoid, yeah. Um, that noise is my cat scratching on its scratching board in case you can hear it. Um, yeah, yeah. Um, although most, a lot of the ones that I remember um, were grey, but Deris actually was wearing a brown um, hood, a brown hooded cape, I suppose, yeah. So how did you first encounter him? Um, it was when I was about five years old. Um, and he seemed to be attached to a house that I lived in between the ages of about five and nine. Um, because I don't remember him before or after we moved away. Um, but yeah, so I saw him a few times between the ages of five and nine um yeah and again just have fragmentary memories but what was interesting was that another child also saw him and remembers it as an adult and I actually talked to her as an adult about it and she remembers him and I was quite quite amazed by that um yeah hmm. and this is in South Africa isn't it I didn't mention that at the start of our conversation but you grew up in South Africa um, it's in Africa, in Africa, yeah. I, I, I won't sort of say if it's, it's whereabouts, but it was in Africa, yeah. I grew up in Africa. Okay. Yeah. And so do, do you think that where you live, like the, that location could be a, 
a factor in the experiences you have i mean the concept of a of an entity a, a being uh, attached to a, a house or a particular part of the of the landscape is is something that that transcends cultures across the world so mm-hmm. um do you think that deras might be sort of um, a entity connected to to that house yeah i have wondered about that because I saw him quite soon after we moved to the house and then I didn't see him after we left. So I have wondered whether he's attached to that house and, or, or whether why it, why it was, you know, why, why, why that was. But at, at the same time, I have had experiences everywhere I've lived. So the phenomenon itself seems to be everywhere. But, yeah, I mean, it does make you wonder whether there are parts of, it that are attached to certain locations or maybe certain age groups um maybe it was something nothing to do with the house but to do with the at my age or i don't i don't really know but yeah it's it's interesting it's an interesting thought Hmm. and have have certain phenomena happened at certain points in your life or or is it not like that is it just very very things that have always happened to you yeah just varied things, yeah. Yeah, I, I don't think that there's a particular type that happened. I don't know, I'm just trying to think. I think possibly my, no, even that, no. I was going to say, I think I have maybe have more premonition type experiences as an adult than as a child, but actually I did have some as a child as well. Um, I don't know. I think it's, yeah, just a... It's quite a very, the, the experiences themselves are quite varied, but I don't think that there's a particular type attached to any time of my life. Yeah, no, I don't think so. Hmm. You mentioned a few minutes ago that there have been several points in, in your life where you've encountered what would be classically described as a, a woman in white. Can you talk a little about those? Yes. Um, yeah. Um, I saw her one, when I was maybe about eight. Um, and I just had a very fragmentary memory of seeing her with her arm raised up. Um, and that's all, all I can remember of that. Um, and then when I was um, about 21, I was in hospital and I had just um given birth to a very premature baby that had just died um and I was in hospital I I was quite ill um and I was lying on the hospital bed and a woman in white came into the room and then I tried to move and I realized that I was paralyzed um and I was starting to feel panicky about the fact that I couldn't move um and she came over and she kind of communicated to me um, in some way that that I shouldn't be panicking about the paralysis, that it was just an effect of a general anaesthetic that I'd had. Um, and then I can't remember anything else. Um, and then I also had a, a premonitory dream of an earthquake in the uh, former Soviet Union, and it was a very powerful dream. And... Um, I think I saw a woman in white in that dream. Um, and then I I woke my husband, my first husband up 
um, and told them about the dream because it was a really powerful dream. And then the next day we found that there, there had been a big earthquake in that area um, and it would have happened around the time that I had the dream. Um, and then um, I think in 2019, um, I saw the woman in white again, and this time it was in the house that we're living in now. Um, and I was in the kitchen and I just, I don't know what, something made me turn and look down the hall. Um, and she came out of the lounge and went down the hall and into the bedroom. Um, and I did at first didn't realize that it was anything. I was, I was interested to see where she went, but I, I didn't really realize that it was, you know, an anomalous experience. And then I went down the hall and I saw that the bedroom door was shut and then I, it hit me and I realized that, um, that, that it was an anomalous experience. And then I had what I think is possibly a premonition of the um, COVID-19 pandemic. I just had some a premonition of with some elements match the COVID-19 pandemic. Um, and I wrote about that in one of the chapters in the book. Um, so that that's my kind of history. So I first saw her when I was about eight. Um, and then I, oh, and I saw her again um, a couple of weeks ago, um, but just for a, for a second. She just appeared and then disappeared, um, but nothing happened with that. Um, yeah, so, so that's pretty much it. Do you think it was the same entity that you've seen each time? I don't know. Um, I've wondered about that. Um, I don't know. Yeah, it's, I don't, I'm not sure. Yeah, it's, it's something I've wondered about and, and why and, and who, who is she and what, why does she she do it? Um, yeah, I have wondered whether she might be linked to difficult situations um, because, you know, once was just after I'd had a baby die, uh, once was when I was having a very realistic dream about a, an earthquake where a lot of people died and also possibly the pandemic where millions of people have died. So I have wondered whether she is some kind of, you know, a warning or omen of, you know, difficult times or, or death or something like that. But I don't know. It's, 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 yeah, it's interesting. Hmm. Um, outside of these experiences, do you feel like you're somebody who is sensitive to these sorts of things? I mean, I guess they're, it's hard to separate yourself from the experiences. They're so, they're so much part of your life, but sort of outside of them in general, do you feel like that you are someone who can pick up on things that, that aren't usually perceived? Um, I am quite an empathetic person and I do tend to pick up on how people are feeling and what's going on with other people. Um, and yeah, so possibly from that perspective, um, I, I, I care a lot about other people. I feel if somebody around me is sad I I can't I feel sad I can't really feel happy um so I I have quite a 
I, I think I have quite an empathetic kind of part of my personality. Um, whether that's related to it or not, I'm not sure. Um, but I know that I like I don't go on holiday to countries where there's a lot of poverty um, because I can't I can't not see the people who are struggling in poverty. It, it's very upsetting to me. Um, so I know that I'm quite empathetic and I can't watch very um, gory, violent um, films or anything like that um, because I am quite affected by it. So whether that's part of um, a type of person who can maybe sense other things, I don't know. Um, yeah, I've never thought of that, but yeah, possibly. Hmm. Reading your book, a lot of the recollections you have of the, the experiences you went through are quite unsettling. Remembering being in an unfamiliar building with unfamiliar people. I, when you have experiences like that, are you ever worried that it's something more, more human? Like you've, you've experienced something done to you by people rather than rather than other sorts of beings i i mean i know that if, if that happened to me i would I, I know i would be worried about that did you have those concerns as well yeah i have i've thought a lot about that um um particularly since i do remember people um and yeah it's something that i've um talked to my husband about as well and it's <clears throat> it's I know that the phenomenon I'm pretty sure the phenomenon is not just a human thing because things like premonitions um that have come true um and just I know that there are things that are just anomalous um but yeah I have wondered whether there are that you know it it's it you're sort of going down a slippery slope you know and I don't want to end up paranoid or you know building some kind of conspiracy which isn't there so I kind of don't really go there myself I, I, and I know that I'm choosing not to because I don't want to end up um, I know that I've got no way of knowing what is behind these experiences and if I start to try and come down on answers I might be coming down on the wrong answers and I don't want to do that and I also don't want to become paranoid. Um, so I just, the way I deal with it myself is just, okay, I don't know what's causing these. I probably will never know, but I'm just recording it. And it may be of interest to people in the future who may have more information, maybe in a few hundred years or so, they might dig out some old accounts and mine might be one of them and it might be helpful. Um, and that's kind of how I deal with it. But yeah, I have wondered whether there there is a human aspect to it. Um, but I find it really uncomfortable to think to think about it. So I, I tend to not think too much about it. Um, yeah, but I but I have wondered about that. Yeah. Hmm. And, and in regard to the more otherworldly aspects to the, your experiences, um, have you have you sort of come down on a on what might most likely be 
behind that? Uh, I mean, I know that you, you've uh, spoken and interacted with people in the ufology field. Is is that the area that you think is best placed for your experiences to fit into? Yeah, um, whatever's behind them. Um, I definitely do think that my experiences fit the best um, with experiences. Um, and personally, I think probably whatever it is, it's just part of the natural world. It's just part of normal reality. Um, it's probably been with us from the beginning, um, but each culture has their own belief system about what reality is and what the world is. Um, and we have ours um, and we just don't know enough um, to understand what these things are. So we just say they don't happen or they're not real or um, <clears throat> yeah. And, but they probably are just part of the natural world. Um, and then, you know, in a few hundred years or a few thousand years, few million years who knows um, we might have a much much um, better understanding of what reality is and and all the things that we now think are paranormal or anomalous or whatever will just be understood and um, known as just part of the natural world so that's probably how I tend to think of it but um, I try not to come down on any solution you know any um, strong belief because there isn't enough we don't know enough to know really what it is so for me I just think the best thing to do for me at this point is just to record it um, and then in the future it might be might be of use to to people who are who may be going to study aspects of it in the future that's kind of how I see it and deal with it hmm and I think it's important at this point to point out that none of these recollections have, have come to you through hypnosis, which quite a few experiences have done. Um, I know that in general, hypnosis is, is seen to be a bit unreliable when it comes to the accuracy of, of the memories that are recalled. I suppose this goes back to earlier on in our conversation, but but when you were, when you decided to to write the book, how did those recollections sort of come back to you? Um, well, by the time I wrote the book, I had already written um, a history of my old experiences, and I was also had a lot of material that I had recorded the experiences, um, sort of as after they had happened. So, I, and I, I have a lot of material. I couldn't put all of it in the book. Um, <clears throat> I'm actually writing a second book which is going to be a companion to it um, with some stuff that I couldn't put in, in that book um, so yeah I just um, decided to just go ahead and write it and I just pulled out all my papers <laughs> and went through them and then just tried to um, choose the ones that were potentially most interesting to people and also um, I was trying to focus on the ones where there were witnesses, um, you know, some evidence of some description, like body marks or um, things like that. Um, 
Um, yeah, and also I had tried to sort of choose ones that sort of showed the the variety of my experiences. So um, yeah, I have had hypnosis, but I made sure that none of my um, hypnotic memories were were in the book at all um, because yeah, I, it's not reliable. Hmm. Reading the book, you've lived across the world in Africa and Europe and New Zealand now, I believe. Does it feel at all as though your experiences have changed relative to the locations that you were? Um, no, I don't think so. Um, um, it's pretty consistent. Um, yeah, I've lived in Africa, Europe, and in the Pacific, and it's pretty consistent. I don't think the location is having much of an effect on it at all, except for possibly Deris. Um, whether that was linked to the house or my age or, or what, but I think overall, I don't think the part of the world that I that I'm in is really affecting it. Yeah, because other members of my family have also had experiences and they are sort of around the world as well. Um, and, yeah, I don't think the part of the world, certainly not for me, I don't know, maybe for other people, but I don't think it is for me, no. Ah, okay. Um, what you just mentioned there was uh, leads on to my next question because often there is a family history of of people having these sorts of experiences and yeah. and that was the case of your family yes um yeah and um when i started to um, write the history of my experiences i actually interviewed quite a few members of my family and they some of them disclosed to me then that they had also had um a lifetime of experiences um, and, and others that they had just had some. Um, and I was really, really surprised by that because I wasn't aware of it. Um, and, yeah, my father had experiences all through his life and his mother had experiences. Um, and then on my mother's side, um, they, uh, they tended to have sort of premonition experiences. A lot of them would sense or know things that were coming up. Um, yeah, and, uh, you know, one of my cousins, she told me she'd had a lifetime of experiences. And it was, yeah, it was quite eye-opening. Um, and also, like, how hidden it is, because I didn't, I hadn't talked about my experiences. They hadn't talked about theirs. And it was just, yeah, it was, it was very eye-opening. Yeah, so it does seem to be in the family. Hmm. And if you don't mind me asking, what is the sort of background of your family history? Is it from is it European or African or? Yeah, European. Yeah, I actually had a DNA. I did a DNA test to see what my ancestry was, um, and um, yeah, I'm European. Sort of my ancestry is uh, the British, Scandinavian, East European. Um, I think those are the main ones, and then a few other small traces of Asian and stuff like that. But yeah. 
Mm. So another part of your book is titled Medical Mysteries, and this is where you've, you've encountered un- unusual marks and things like that, um, yeah. which, which again is something very much associated with the abduction experience. Can you just talk a little about those? Yes, um, I just periodically have, um, I suddenly see unexplained marks on my body um, and sometimes I wake up with them um, and they're, they're just small, like little small straight cuts about one centimetre long, um, uh, purple marks, uh, circular purple marks or sometimes triangular ones, um, sometimes uh sort of uh, purple dots in geometric shapes um i've had red red dots in like a grid shape on my knees um uh sometimes burns puncture marks just small little marks um sometimes they heal really really fast yeah um and just it's just a, a sort of a constant periodic thing that happens and it's yeah it's a bit unsettling when I see it but then oh okay um and then yeah it's just something that happens um, and I know now now I know that it's just a lot of experiences have it um but yeah so I don't I don't worry about it um anymore but um yeah it just seems to be part of the phenomenon um in some way have you thought about why it might happen? I'm I'm always curious about this sort of thing. Do you have any have any thoughts about this aspect of the phenomena? I don't know. I mean, it sort of suggests maybe that there's something being done to to me physically, or um, whether it's it's just a. a accidental side effect of something or it does suggest that there's a real physicality to it um but what that is i don't know i mean i know that they're in the um it it could be you know like experimentation or medical stuff but maybe it isn't maybe it's um just a side effect of you know of something i don't know yeah Again, I always sort of try not to come down on a belief without sort of really knowing. I, I know that the marks are there, but I yeah, I don't know what's causing them. I, I think it's really interesting. Yeah. Mm. So are these experiences still happening? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I actually had a, a, one of those straight cuts on the back of my hand a few days ago. I was just, uh, I just looked down and it was there. So, yeah, no, this it still happens. Um, I saw the woman in white a few weeks ago. It's just a, a sort of a constant, a constant thing. Um, it probably happen. Yeah, I'm sort of assuming it will just happen until, um, until the end. <laughs> yeah. And when it comes to your, well, in writing your own book and. Um, I know that you're not focused on kind of explaining everything and I completely get that, but in, in the course of writing your book and, and, and you know, in, interacting with 
other people who have researched this sort of stuff? Are there particular researchers or or ideas that you think fit best with what you might be experiencing? Yeah, um, I find George Hansen's trickster theory really interesting. Um, uh, he wrote uh, a book. Um, the way I understand it is that he is saying that the um, the phenomenon, whatever it is, has certain qualities um, and that those qualities um, suggest that the phenomenon is more present uh, or, or prevalent um, in situations where there is a bit of um, disturbance or um, chaos or transition um, and that it kind of manifests more strongly in those times. And he's gone back and looked at a lot of myths um, and legends and various cultures and he believed that they, those cultures were kind of aware of that and that they encoded that knowledge into their myths and beliefs um, as a way of understanding that. Um, and I found, found that quite an interesting idea um, and that perhaps th- that might explain why... Um, yeah, I, I just I find that that quite an interesting idea that it's it's something that the more ordered and the more structured and the more routinized um, and logical a person's life is, the less likely they are to have those events and the more outside the norm or fluid um, or yeah that they're more likely to have those events. And I, I, I and he sort of, I thought he argued, argued it pretty well and presented quite a good argument for that. And it's something that I've, I'm kind of watching to see whether that is what's happening with me, um, with my own experiences. And I've talked about it with my husband and we have noticed um, that when, you know, if we're having, we've been having renovations done or we're moving or something that, they may happen more at those times. Um, it's hard to tell because I haven't really um, kept a record or done an analysis of it or anything like that. But um, that's it, it, it's an idea that does interest me, and I and I do wonder whether that might have some uh, be a really good insight into part of how the phenomenon is operating. Mm, yeah, I agree. I, I I do think that past cultures and societies had a had a more had more understanding of this aspect to reality and more more so in in western society where we've sort of removed ourselves from nature i i think that might be in a in a in some way why it's happening it's um it's a, a normal well i say, i say normal in some ways it's a normal experience but we lost our means of of processing it in some way like you were saying yeah yeah absolutely yeah I wouldn't be surprised at all if that's what it is I mean in your book you you recount some pretty unusual encounters with I mean I guess they in the book they're described as people but I I remember one where you write about a someone on a motorcycle being outside your apartment and that experience is very 
unusual. Could you just talk a little bit about that? Yeah, that was, um, I, um, I was helping a friend with his assignment. So he came to my house, uh, to my apartment, and he, when I opened the door, he was quite sort of a bit disturbed. And he, he asked me who was the person who just left on the motorbike. Um, and he said that um, for some reason he thought the person had come out of my apartment. Well, I don't think he actually saw that. Um, but apparently the, there had been a guy outside the front of our apartment building and he had um, got on the motorbike and then he he rode down the road towards my friend's car when my friend pulled into the street and parked his car and he thought that the guy was riding the motorbike really oddly, like he wasn't riding in the part of the road where you would expect him to ride. And he came, he was like zooming towards my friend's car, um, almost as though my friend's car wasn't there. Um, and then the guy lifted his visor or maybe his visor was up. Um, and my friend thought he had really piercing eyes. And my friend just seemed quite disturbed by it um and then he came and told me um and then later I and I spoke to my next door neighbor and he had also seen the guy but there were some discrepancies between their memories um and they both spontaneously sometime later they both remembered that the guy had actually ridden his motorbike on the pavement on the sidewalk rather than on the road at one point but one of them remembered him riding up the pavement and the other one remembered him riding down the pavement um and then my friend saw him with a, with a motorbike right outside the front of the apartment but the other my neighbor didn't see him although he should have from his window but he um, saw him riding on the road so there seemed to be discrepancies between their memories but they both saw the person about and then then both spontaneously remembered him riding on the pavement um, and then I wasn't aware of that in the beginning uh, when my neighbor had first seen him but I had been keeping a diary of uh, my experiences at that time and I had written in my diary that someone was, I had this strange feeling that someone was back. Um, and I don't understand that. So I just wrote it down and I didn't understand that. And then, of course, later when I went back um, and I was looking at this experience, I realized that they, my friend had seen this person and my neighbor had seen this person. Um, and then I had independently written in my diary that someone was back so I don't know I mean that person that they saw on the motorbike maybe it was just a guy on a motorbike and it had nothing to do with you know the sense that I had had um but my fr I, I put it in mainly because my friend thought there was something really odd about the guy um and that the way he he drove really fast towards his car um, and his eyes were really piercing. And also, I, I wonder whether my friend had a jump in his memory because he saw the guy driving really fast towards his car. And then the next thing he remembered, the guy was driving out of the road um, around the corner. So 
um, yeah, because of that, I, I put it in the book. But I mean, yeah, I mean, there's always a possibility it could have had just a mundane experience, you know, explanation. But it was odd, odd enough that I that I decided to include it. Hmm, it definitely is odd. It, when reading it, it felt to me like it was has similarities with what you might class as a, a man in black encounter with the weirdness and the yeah. odd behavior of yeah. the of a person i mean like you say it it could be what it was it could just be somebody on a motorbike driving aggressively but when you when you factor in the the memories of the of your friends and um and the neighbor there is something odd about it i mean have you had anything yourself similar like that any anything else that would be described as encountering a, a man in black yeah um I can remember walking in a forest area and again that was one of those memories that I just had and never really thought of and then one day realized that that where was I you know um but I'm just turning around and seeing uh, somebody following me um there's a guy all dressed in black um it's something that I've had um that was more I would say when I was younger um so that's interesting that might be age related um but then there was this guy later so yeah but I've had a few I've had a few experiences like that yeah it it, it was really interesting um I think it yeah especially the, the fact that my friend saw that person and again he may have just been an ordinary person but yeah there were really odd aspects to it and um yeah it's it's, it's interesting mm, definitely we're almost out of time but i want to end the interview with something you talk about at the at the end of your book which is some files that you got from uh a, a ufologist friend who you describe as uh, Mr. A, and, and information there that, that indicated that NASA was working on understanding an alien language. I found that fascinating. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I was amazed by that. Um, yeah, he he sent me, before he died, he sent me um, a tea chest of his uh, UFO books and a whole lot of papers of his. Um, and I went through it and he included in there a letter that he had originally sent to Cynthia Hind, who was a ufologist in Zimbabwe. Um, and she's quite a well-known ufologist. I think she was one of the first people who investigated the aerial school case. Um, and he had sent her the letter and then she had, um, she got cancer and she apparently went through all her stuff and she sent his letter back to him, um, because she was going through all her papers before she died. And then he had given that letter, his letter to me. So that's how I got it. Um, but he apparently, apparently in, oh, was it 1996? October 96 I can't remember yeah anyway he wrote to her um, apparently and said that he had been offered a job by NASA helping another man to interpret the aliens language and that this other man had seen um, an alien 
that they had. Um, and I know that Mr. A, he was very, um, he knew a lot of languages, including ancient languages. Um, and um, so maybe that's, if it's true, maybe, maybe that's why he was asked. But apparently he sent the, a letter to her about it and she told him that she'd never received the letter. And then he, a few months later, sent her a photocopy of what he'd originally told her. And then she apparently said that she never got the photocopy. So then in this letter, he was talking about the fact that he had written to her about it and told her um, that she had said that she hadn't got the original letter or the photocopy. And she obviously got this letter because she sent it back to him. Um, but yeah, I was really surprised by that and I don't know what to think about it. I don't know whether he was trying to spread some disinformation into the field through her. Um, and then I've wondered if that was the case, you know, was he, did he then send me the letter, you know, thinking that I might spread some disinformation into the field or was he telling the truth? Um, and if he was, I mean, that's quite mind boggling. Was, was he being played in some way by some people from NASA or claiming to be from NASA or um, whether it was real? Um, the mind boggles in a way, but um, yeah, so I just, I wasn't sure whether to include it in the book or not. And I just thought, well, you know, I put it on record. Um, again, it's something that you know might be known about people might find out you know some other stuff about it and it suddenly makes sense um but yeah so it was pretty amazing but who knows what it means whether it's real or, or what yeah it's so intriguing but I guess there's not very much information beyond that that letter and what was described there we don't know much more about where this language was encountered and when it just offers up a lot of questions, doesn't it? And it, you make a good point there as well about the possibility that it is disinformation. I mean, is that something that you've had to become more wary of as you've done your writing and research? And since you've brought out the book, have you, have you found that that's something that you have to be more careful about? Um, yeah, I, I, I feel like... Um, when I first went, you know, approached ufology, I think I was quite trusting. Um, but over the years, I think I've learned that you've got to be quite careful that people aren't always, you know, on the level and um, you don't really know what people's agendas are or, or what they're up to. And I think it's okay as long as you're just careful and you don't accept anything without evidence you just and you don't come down on theories without evidence but it's good to explore it's good to listen and you know um maybe this is completely true i mean maybe he was just approached by nasa and he's just telling cynthia hind about it and wow that's really interesting but then maybe he wasn't you know it's it's really I mean, some of the things that the that Mr. A had said to me, I have wondered whether he was associated with an intelligence agency of some kind. Um, and that makes me a little bit wary because intelligence agencies, by definition, um, they run operations and you don't know what they're up to. And maybe there is some kind of 
he was doing some disinformation along those lines or maybe he wasn't you know it's 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 really it's really hard to know um i'd be really fascinated you know fascinated if somebody else had any you know information about this um i you know i'd really love to know um but yeah so i don't know yeah it is it is intriguing it's but you're you're absolutely right i think you have to be wary of um of, of things like that yeah well emma this has been a fascinating conversation thank you so much for being a guest on the podcast no thank you i've really enjoyed it and thank you for having me if people want to find out more about your book and your work how best do they do that um they can go to my website which is emmawoodsbooks.com um there's a link there to my book on amazon um, and I also have um, images and uh, audio and video um, to do with the book um, on, on my website as well, in case anyone's interested in that. Excellent. Well, I'll make sure to put all that information in the show notes. Thank you. Thank you, Emma. Thank you very much. Thank you so much for listening to my conversation with Emma. Given the unsettling nature of many of the experiences she recalls, not to mention the incredibly difficult life experiences that these would sometimes coincide with, I think it takes great courage to share those events in her book. It's definitely worth getting hold of if you found this episode interesting. Please also consider rating it wherever you listen and sharing it on social media, as it really helps some other sphere to grow and find new listeners. You can follow the podcast on Twitter at spherical underscore pod and subscribe on most of the well-known podcast platforms. You can also support some other sphere with a donation via Ko-fi. Details on how to do that are in the show notes. If you'd like to email me here at spherehq, the address is someothersphere at gmail.com. It'd be lovely to hear from you. Until next time, take good care of yourselves and I hope you'll join me again soon for another episode of Some Other Sphere.